Kruger, Voorhees, Bates. Just a few names that have become synonymous with the history of horror films, but only one is tied to the big spooky holiday itself. As many of horror films even made today, this month's little indie film, conceptualized, written, directed, and even musically composed by John Carpenter, did a lot with a little. Delivering a suspensefully slow burn story that would become a blueprint of horror films for the present and arguably for the future as well. So grab your white painted William Shatner masks and light your pumpkins as we discuss the original Halloween. Episode of You've Never Seen Question Mark Exclamation Point. I'm your host, as always, Ariel Ortiz, and today is a special episode, a holiday episode that we have not done for a while. I am. Um, we actually missed last year's um, version of this. Actually, I looked back and and it was uh, we did a good episode though, Moulin Rouge, and I would recommend you going rewatching that. But I missed my chance last year to to cover. Um, the holiday that we're going to be t- discussing today, um, as you can tell, because this is the first of October, it is a Halloween episode. Yay! And what better movie to start off the um, a Halloween episode is Halloween, which I myself have never seen, and also one of my ge- other guests of Derek McDuff from Undercast Company um, has never seen it. And to take us along this journey into this horror classic is, of course, the Undercast Company Halloween horror aficionado, um, self-proclaimed, and that is Alan Torres, of course. So, Alan? what, buddy. And yes, I'm very, very excited to be talking about this movie. I'm, I was very shocked in the very beginning when we were talking about the, to do this episode. I did not know you guys had never seen Halloween. I know yeah, we, we went just, to the movies uh, we saw. I forgot. Just uh, some clarification. Yeah. Just some clarification. This is the OG 1978 Halloween that we are going to be t- discussing. Yeah. <laughs> John Carpenter's classic 1978, like she said. Uh, oh, guys, I watched, I watched the Rob Zombie version. Oh, no. No, 2007's Halloween, which is okay. I watched okay. H2. I watched Halloween Water, starring Josh Hartnett, <laughs> which is pretty solid itself. Uh, Halloween H2O Water, it's so good. It leaves you with a um, you're uh, refreshed when you watch it. Yeah, it tricks you. It tricks you. You think, oh my god, it's gonna be filled with blood and murder, and it's like, oh, it's just all water. Aquafina, Dasani, all the waters under the sun. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Very excited to talk about this with you guys. I'm again. I'm, I'm very surprised. I, I don't know. I, I I was actually talking about it the other day, and I was like, I don't know. I, I always felt like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. Well, one of the sequels of Friday the Thirteenth were like at least watched in everybody's kind of like repertoire. Kind of like how kind of how like you're born knowing that like Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> For what? What? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember just being born and like when I was like five or something and somebody started talking about film and I was like, oh, yeah, Darth Vader just looks dead. And they're like, how do you know that? I don't know. I just mm-hmm. knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember a time when I didn't know that. Exactly. It's it's hard to remember. So so for me, I was like, it was so funny to hear that, like, 
you guys had never seen Halloween, the, the OG 1978 one produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Um, you know, on a small budget. Uh, a really, really unknown indie film, apparently. What you guys are telling me. <laughs> but anyways, originally called The Babysitter Murders, but they thought it was weird to call it that. So they're like, we got to add a little holiday flair to it because, you know, there's a great slasher flick right before it called Black Christmas that uh, starred um, Superman's uh, Margot Kidder. A lot of people forget. They don't know that that Black Christmas is one of the original mm-hmm. slasher flicks on top of, um, you know, Psycho. Everybody was like, oh, Halloween started it all. But actually, it did not, which is unfortunate, which upsets me. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I like Christmas, but I don't like Christmas as much as Halloween. But Halloween was kind of the big jumpstart into the slasher genre of the 80s. So let's dive right into it. Um, I'm pretty sure the audience knows what the movie's about. It takes place on Halloween, and there's babysitters uh, getting murdered by a 23-year-old Michael Myers. In the beginning of the film, we see that when he was a kid, he dressed up like a clown, and he kind of just went on a rampage and killed one of his sisters on Halloween night. And then he went to a mental asylum. Canonically, his oh, only sorry, sister. Canonically, now his, his only, only sister. sister. Yes. There you go. Depending on yeah, depending on which timeline, because there's five different timelines yeah. for the Halloween movies. We don't talk about the other timelines. We're going canonic. All the ones are still canon. Timeline. They're just other canons. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a multiverse for Halloween. So mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of all of them. I've seen all of them. I think the only one I haven't seen is Halloween Two, by Rob Zombie. Which I won't lie, when I saw the first Rob Zombie Halloween, I was like. This is okay, and I was like, I'm not really interested in watching more, so <laughs> Halloween 2 is the only one I haven't seen by Rob Zombie. But anyways, yeah, like, pretty much over, I was I was going to bring up the different storylines and everything like that, and, uh, but yeah, pretty much let's just get into it. Um, what did you guys think of reviewing? What did you guys think of uh, Halloween 1978? Yeah, for me, um, Alan, like you, you were kind of like starting to say, we actually all together watched the newest Halloween, the one um, from 2018, um, all together. The and that is kind of like the current canonic, um, continuation of this Halloween. Um, you know, not to make it more confusing at all. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Um, when we watched it, and of course, like you said, it, Halloween as a as a movie in our pop culture is such a is like a movie that yeah, you know Mike Myers, you know he went after Jamie Lee Curtis's like character and tried to kill her, and you know like Jamie Lee Curtis is you know world renowned as as one of the original Scream queens, and um, yeah, it's just like. But I had never seen this movie, you know. Um, seeing it today, it actually gave me a lot more appreciation of her character, of Lori's character, in the newest one. Um, the newest versions. And, like, I, like, now, like, I'm totally understanding of, like, the paranoia that, that Lori shows in, in the newest ones and stuff like that. And I'm like... I would totally, I would back her up, like, you know, how she feels. And I don't understand how anybody judged her 
you know, about being, you know, training her daughter to defend herself and to do all these other things. And it's it like, went full Sarah Connor. Full Sarah Connor. Uh, yeah, to a point, I think she beat Sarah Connor, well, at least now canonically, because she kept her kids safe. She kept her kid alive and her grand granddaughter alive. But anyway. <laughs> it depends on the continuity. I mean, like, Also, yeah. the continuity. We know. There's there's multiple different cans in that franchise, too. Ah. Exactly. They should just do a crossover of Terminator and Halloween. And just be like, which timeline is more fucked up? <laughs> yeah. But, um... But yeah, like uh, watching this and like sh- I um I actually watched um it uh, that part over again, but from I'd say the start of her torment where she finds her friends dead to the end of her torment is all of 12 minutes. So like I can only oh, imagine mm-hmm. like how yeah, like traumatizing that experience is that you uh, you essentially like fight for your life straight for 12 minutes you know um and yeah like i i really enjoyed it um you know it is definitely an 80s movie um i really well, felt it's not oh it's 70, 78 yeah, yeah 78 like, movie. on the cusp of 80s yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah it it it, so there's some kind of like corniness with like the teenagers and stuff like that but jamie lee kurt i understand like how jamie lee curtis's character has become so iconic um you know alongside mike myers is because she felt like the most real person and the most caring person in in this movie you know she wanted she was you know like i very much related to her because you know i kind of like as you know uh definitely as a as a high schooler was more so like oh just like stay you know stay in your books stay in the studies do the responsible thing um you know she was the most responsible one over all of her all of her friends and like actually took care of the kids you know was the actually good babysitter um and yeah and then yeah mike myers just like uh it is just I loved how he is just a guy that he just is a, a killer. He's just pure evil, you know? Like, he, there's no explanation for it. There's no, like, no one understands why he does what he does, but he does it. So, therefore, you, you have to, like, be cautious of it. Um, really loved the character of Dr. Loomis because he, I, just the whole, like, because he knew, like, he knows. Like, I think he's the kind of character that Jamie Lee Curtis's um, Lori becomes, like, in newer versions where he knows the true, you know, danger of Mike Myers and everybody. And it's because he um, gets under, you know, underestimated against, you know, Dr. Loomis and then in the new versions, Lori's, you know, warnings that he's able to escape, you know. And then I felt so bad that, like, he was getting, he got, like, the sheriff was, like, if, if he kills anybody, it's your fault. And then he's, like, I, I'm, like, in me as a, as an audience, like, um, watching this as a viewer, I was, like, how can you blame him? He, he warned everybody of this, you know? Um, and then, yeah, I loved, like, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I really love this movie and I definitely understand why this is, like, yeah, a classic, yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it as well. 
Um, you know, it is basically kind of a, a template. Um, you know, this, this is kind of like a Rosetta Stone between, you know, the movies that would become, that would evolve into, like, you know, your proto-slashers, like you had your Black Christmas, your Psycho, the kind of very early slashers. And then this kind of, like, codified so much of what we know as of slasher movies that, it, you know, over the years, I was... I've, I've kind of mentioned before that I'm not a, growing up. I wasn't the biggest fan of slasher films, and um, so you know I, that's probably why I never got around to seeing this. But I felt like I knew it already. It's like the thing where you were talking about Alan with Darth Vader. You just you know who Darth Vader is. I know who Michael Myers is. I know the plot of this Halloween movie because it's been ripped off so many times. Because I've seen the 2018 version. Because you know it is just so ingrained in popular culture just in general. So I was like, okay, I know what's going to happen in this iconic slasher movie. And I did, and I knew, you know, like, plot-wise, beat for beat. But still, even though I, like, knew it was going to happen, um, the way that it played out was kind of unexpected because it was so um, low-key, I guess, would be the best way to put it, where it's like, there's only, like, three people who die in this movie. And, um, you know, he just... You know, it usually you just, see, like, see... Like, in a movie like this, you see Michael Myers, like, or Freddy or Jason or whatever just going and killing teenagers left and right. Like, they'll be making out in a car and pff, they're dead. You know, but this one, there was only a couple of that. Um, you know, there was only the three deaths. And for a majority of the movie, like you said, Ariel, up until, like, the, you know, the last 12 minutes or something, Lori and Michael Myers, like, she doesn't even know... Like, she just sees the shape out there, you know, the quote-unquote, the shape like, him out in the, through the window and stuff, and he's kind of like this weird specter that's haunting her, but he's not actually trying to kill her until the very end of the movie. You have the confrontation between, you know, the main villain and the her uh, heroine of the movie, and I I was really kind of like, oh, wow, I, I like how reserved the film was, and, you know, over the years, you know, the slasher movies got bigger and bigger and, you know, more epic until eventually, you know, Jason was taking Manhattan and Jason was going to hell and all this stuff was happening. Michael Myers had, had like a witch's curse and, you know, that was, and, you know, it just got so big. Yep. And was that? The Thorn Trilogy, yep. Yeah. The and Thorn Trilogy and then Freddy Krueger actually has a kid and that kid can go into dreams and kill him. It's a whole fucking thing. But, but but yes, the, the I do agree with you. But yeah, sorry, keep going. No, yeah, I I just loved the simplicity of it, and it's just like Ariel said, like you don't know who this guy is or what he's doing. You know that he was a dude named he's a dude named Michael Myers, and he killed his sister. You, you get you get that. Oh, by the way, that we opening, like I didn't know, like he was like a little kid when he kills it, and when he you see like the hand go and grab it, and you see like a little baby hand go to grab the knife. I'm like, what the fuck? And then, you know, it has that zoom out, and that's one of the few times you ever see Michael Myers' face is when he, they're like, Michael? And it's like a little, like a six-year-old Michael, and it's the wee baby Michael Myers. It's like, I was not prepared to see little baby murderer right now. This is weird. But, yeah, I just loved how it just felt like a very small film, and, you know, that's a big part of that's probably because of the budget they had, and once they got a bigger budget, they could do these more outlandish kills and big or over-the-top things. But I loved how, like, just it was so uh, small scale. That was what was really cool about it, I thought. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear. I mean, uh, th that's the beauty about this film is that it's a small budget, just just like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, they were small budgets. A lot of people forget that they... Th that's one of my favorite things about horror small budgets is that you have to get very creative. Like, you have to get super creative. You have to figure out what can, what can you do with your money and how creative you can get with the kills and everything like like I've seen documentaries on like you know Nightmare on Elm Street and how they did 
their kills, even Paranorm Activity, how they did all the effects and everything. And it's always so satisfying to see because it's literally just like, it's your budget. Your budget is your boss. Your budget is, is, is the one who tells you like, hey, you can't do this, but you can do this. But if you have somebody or a whole creative team that goes, hey, all right, we got like 12 bucks. Maybe we can like get somebody to hold on to this person on the wall and then just like stab them there and hold them against the wall. And then that was so good. We'll do like, we'll have Michael Myers do like this weird, like little head tilt and it'll be kind of creepy. And then boom, iconic, just immediate, like totally iconic. And which I absolutely love that, that character, which is always like, totally, totally like that's in my lexicon for, for <laughs> now. I don't know if you guys ever heard me. Sometimes I just blurt out totally and stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited that you guys like are, are, are dug it, you know, and, and really liked it because I don't know. I just I really have such a love for like old, you know, low budget horror films because you have to put a lot of create creativity into it. You have to have a team of people who are just going to be like, yeah, let, let's figure something out. Let, let's let's see what we can do. But anyways, back to the back to the film itself. What are your guys' like standout moments? Oh, I, I got one. Um, and I think there was a few in the movie, but I think the biggest one for me was when Lori goes and sees her friend and there's just the headstone of Michael Myers' sister. I was like, ah, that's so cool. Like, like you're such a, you're such a dramatic, like, fucking guy. Like, you're such a drama queen, Michael. Like, with the fucking headstone. Like, I was just like, that's such a, like, theater kid move. Just like, like, oh my god. Like, I thought that was, because, you you know, you see the headstone disappear in the movie, like, very early on in the movie. So you're like, oh, that's going to pl- come into play later. But you kind of forget about it. And, you know, and then when it just comes back in this big pitiful moment and she sees, like, her other friend hanging up and he just makes it this whole scene. That was just so cool. That was such a cool moment. It was just like, ah, like, you, you drama queen, Michael. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I have to say my the funniest moment for me was Loomis, and because I I was texting you, um, Alan, and then our 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 friend, um, uh, Fred, your cousin, about uh, while I was watching it, and I literally like called out like, um, how the hell does Michael Myers know how to drive? And then Loomis, Doctor Loomis, like right away like says how did he learn how to drive and i'm like thank you loomis thank you oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you found like yeah why ha- why how does he know how to drive um but yeah derek also um that is one that is one of my standout moments too because it's just like i think in that moment it kind of reveals like one of the first like like non-numb and actually tactical moves of Mike Myers is that I think now looking back like I think that he started to have that the infatuation with Lori that carries on to the newer films started when she he sees her walking and then he she walks up to his old house and I think at that moment like he kind of starts to have this infatuation with her and like in a way, it's kind of like, um, presenting like, you know, like some, like a, a show to her when he like essentially, you know, like kills her friends and then displays them in a way you can say. Um, and so that's kind of like, yeah, like a, a interesting twist on Mike Myers as a character is that like, like this, at like the killings might have been like, 
not as tactical, like, it's just killings, but his, um, like, kind of, like, yeah, like, setting up her, for her, essentially what's, what I kind of, like, equated to, yeah, a haunted house, you know, like, jump scares <laughs> and stuff like that, creating all these jump scares for her was, um, an interesting, like, yeah, like, kind of development in this relationship between the two of them that, are is you know is playing out in the new ones and and yeah just those like the that those last 12 minutes were such a hard punch like and really well deserved after this kind of like slow burn of a movie and and because of that reason it paid off a lot and made it like very impactful and of course like this whole play of the boogeyman and stuff like that and her at the end the movie ending was like was that the boogeyman and dr loomis saying like it yes it was like just flat out like no not consoling her like he's like yeah like this is like that man should be you should be scared of him and stuff like that it's like ah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and there's so much stuff in this that it's like a cliche now but like it was original then you know like you know when his body just disappears when they look out the window or like like when they're in the car and he's just waiting in the car and he just chokes her you know stuff like that like these these horror movie cliches like you can trace them their dna back to stuff like this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh yeah totally and like i love stuff like that where like you can go back and and you can see oh yeah this is where that was inspired from and this was inspired from like i think even jason Voorhees himself like after he does a kill in one of the later movies, he kind of also does like the head tilt kind of thing, and like I mean, uh, they they just released a trailer this week for Halloween Kills, and it seems like they're bringing back all the original characters mm-hmm. from this film, mm-hmm. like having uh, you know Kyle Richards from uh, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I am a fan of. I will not lie; uh, it's my no, pleasure. Alan. So kind of kind of thing. Kyle Richards in the trailer, I was just like, oh my god, I'm so excited. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so great to see that like, they're trying to go back and, and kind of just really hearken on the original, especially since it's it's just so groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah. And so, I, like, you know, inspiration and everything. And, and uh-huh. really... Oh, I sorry, think, go ahead. No, and I think that's why it's... I think it's a lot more important that we watch this one before the new the newer one um, that comes out in a few weeks. Is because, like, while we could get away with our, you know, general, you know, pop culture knowledge of Halloween and Mike Myers, um, and, and Lori even, um, without watching this, this original one and still, and still be able to understand completely, like, um, the 2018 one, I feel like, um, we don't get that we i like for the two kids like her her watching the two kids like oh yeah i knew she was babysitting kids and stuff like that but i didn't know the specifics of these two kids and so now that they're going to be up playing a part in the new one um with halloween kills it's like okay yeah this is now you need to watch this original and and see these like nitty-gritty stuff that isn't really part of the general pop culture knowledge you know of of these two characters and so i am very much appreciative of finally watching it because of that fact too because it'll allow me to enjoy the halloween kills which i've been looking forward to already um 
before watching this one, but it's gonna, it's making me like excited a, a, a lot more too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm excited for it too as well. And, and and yeah, I mean, totally, like totally with this film, you have to, what I absolutely love about it is that even though there's all these timelines and all the, like, I guess you want to call it the Halloween multiverse or whatever, but there's all these different timelines at the end of the day to watch any of those films, you know, save for Rob Zombie's, you know, redneck fucking Michael Myers stripper show kind of thing i'll tell you guys straight up it's rob zombie i I like him i love his music and i think some of his films are solid but i don't understand his concept of just making every character a redneck and Mm -hmm. kind of a stripper Mm -hmm. and or an amalgamation of both which i have nothing at all wrong with strippers or rednecks I'm just saying, why does it have to be, like, so sweaty and so nasty and so dirty? <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah, like, de- you know, if, if, if you want, like, a different interpretation of Halloween, go ahead and watch mm-hmm. this 2000, 2007 version. It's not bad. I remember I, I, I walked out and said, eh, that's solid. It was a solid film. It's definitely more brutal. Definitely more redneck. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you want that Devil's Rejects, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses kind yeah. of feel to it. Definitely go see that, but 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 the beauty about this original one is that, like you guys said, it, it's definitely, you know, it harkens to the original kind of like suspense that that John Carpenter is so good about. And and one of the things I really wanted to ask you guys too about is uh, w- one thing that I always always really consider a big thing in film, and I feel like a lot of people downplay it because they kind of just go ah whatever. But I always feel is absolutely important just like back to the future just like superman just like batman 89 just like the avengers just like you know jurassic park what are the things that always tie things together with those films the music mm-hmm. and i really want to know what oh, you guys man. About the oh, music. No. yeah like um, incredible yeah, great great um it's very surprising to me that like john carpenter is essentially like should be an inspiration the the inspiration for like Fucking my brother tea, but yes <laughs> um no the inspiration for my brother who you know is is an aspiring film filmmaker that wants to do he well in his in his, the you know his films that he's done in high school and stuff like that he 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 not he not just wrote them directed them but he also composed them and i was very surprised when i first start when i started watching it today to see music by john carpenter and i was like oh like i never knew that like john carpenter like wrote the music for this movie and like yeah it's it's incredible like it's such a a subtle um soundtrack um to it that it adds that i mean it, it has created a staple in in horror you know because because horror is known for these subtle soundtracks that build suspense and like you know like slowly slowly like grow and grow and grow and grow and grow you know in in their music and then yeah like i mean like the halloween theme is just a simple like um what four five note mm-hmm. kind of like tune and and yeah it's just like it adds to to Mike Myers as a character because you know he doesn't talk, like you said, like 
he is the shape. He's like known as the shape because he's like just there in the background, you know, of everything. And, and like, it just, yeah, adds to like more of how this movie has inspired, you know, and continues to inspire, um, horror. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really love the music. I remember cause I, I was actually aware that Carpenter did the music. Um, and, I, that's always been one of my favorite things. Like I've loved this soundtrack even way before I saw the movie. I remember when we watched the 2018 one, that whole Halloween, I just kept like listening to that that title theme because it is so just unnerving and creepy. And like Ariel said, it's very kind of kind of a simple melody, but it's just it really gets in your head because it does this thing where it just kind of gives the impression that it's building and looping, but it's just kind of like the same the the same kind of like. Um, has this kind of like background the boom where it's and then it's also got the higher like piano keys just the dun 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 and I'm not a musician like I don't know the technical terms for any of this but like it has that effect um, that some film scores do where it kind of just like feels like it's building and building and building but it's just kind of uh, replicating the things but it just gives you this impression it's getting you more and more and more tense and you just can't wait for it to release and you just and you get that same feeling when you see Michael and he's just kind of like there in the shadows just like watching you and it just you know, sends goosebumps up your spine. Um, absolutely, just there's a reason it's so iconic and why it's been so ingrained in me even way before I've, I have seen the films. It's right up there with the, like, Friday the 13th, like, you know, like those, like, two horror, just kind of, like, very basic, very simple themes that you can just kind of, like, instantly hum, just, and they'll just, you know, those just creep you out, you know, like, I, I love it. One of my favorite parts about the Halloween theme and John Carpenter in general is that he also did the score for Halloween 2018, which is absolutely amazing. I love that that score. I remember when we went to go see it that week, I was listening to it like every single day after we saw the movie. But one of my favorite little like tidbits of trivia is that he essentially, again, the beauty of low budget and, and trying to be creative and trying to be innovative is that they were like, all right, we got to have music. We'd have something suspenseful. And John Carpenter already had kind of like a background in music. And he was like, oh, you know, he already had, he, I think at the time he had kind of like a band that was trying to be like New Wave or, or something like that. And, you know, so he was messing around with synthesizers, which I love that it, it ended up becoming this kind of like uh, instrument used for like 80s horror slasher films. And the best part is that he just went, yeah, you know, I was trying to figure out a theme. And he's like, I'm going to be real. I fucking copied the Exorcist uh, tubular bells. So he's like, if you put them together, the Halloween theme and, and Exorcist uh, tubular bells, uh, you put them together, they kind of sound very similar. The only thing is that he decided to use like a synthesizer and kind of add it on top of that. Because he's like, well, we don't have any budget. I, I can't hire a guy to make a score so i'm gonna fucking do it myself and he did it himself and then boom there you go which i'm pretty sure the exorcist probably has something i mean the exorcist is, is more of a big budget warner brothers horror film in its own right but i love that he was just like all right i gotta figure something out hey tubular bell sounds pretty great i'm gonna copy that and kind of make it my own so i i absolutely love that like again with the low budget people have to be creative have to be innovative and they have to kind of like break the mold and be like okay we have, you know, three hundred thousand dollars. What can we do? And and it always inspires and it always improves and always gives something new. So, which I absolutely love it. And yeah, again, you know, like you guys said, it, it's going to be a theme where people are going to know it from from the dawn of time to the end of time. They're always going to be like, 
yeah, Halloween theme, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. The Avengers theme is one of the most, you know, iconic contemporary themes that we hear now. That you know, you hear it in memes and you hear it all over the place. Um, Alan, um, oh, what's his name? I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm like kind of spacing out, but he also did the theme for Back to the Future. Oh, Al, uh, Silvestri. Alan Silvestri, thank you so much. He did Avengers and he did Back to the Future. So again, I am always a huge firm believer that like if you want your your film to be an absolute banger, you need to have the absolute best uh, musician or, or scores to be on your team. Just like you know, we have Alan Silvestri for you know the Avengers and Hans Zimmer just killing it and everything he's doing as of late. So I, I really really believe that music is always going to be a big part of film that you absolutely have to have. But oh, yeah. anyways, uh, back, back to it. So your guys' overall opinion, did, did you guys feel that it, it lived up to the hype and the acclaim? I think yeah, definitely- yeah, I think it did. Because um, I think a big... Because I think a big part of the acclaim for this movie is like, this is like the kind of genesis of the slasher films as we know them today. Like, this is where you can trace so many things back to. And um, I don't think like... People love it, obviously. People like think it's an incredible film, and it is. Um, but I think it, a big part of it is like, yeah, you can go back and you can see all of these things and why it gave birth to this entire like genre. You know, um, at least making made this genre really widespread. Um, so I think that that you know that reputation is very much earned and it's very much deserved. Yeah, like I, I think it's it's is a classic and it's always going to be a classic i mean it like derek was saying you know it's lay it laid so much groundwork to you know horror movies and 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 to filmmakers you know to show that that you know you could do a lot with less you know you could do a lot with subtlety you could do a lot with with not going overboard on you know technical things you know you could just keep a simple a story simple and still have it be effective um so yeah so it is definitely um lived up to to the hype and also i'm like the hype the big hyper for me going in was me being a really big fan of john carpenter's version of the thing and while this is a very very those are both you know quote-unquote horror slash thriller films they're very different but i was really for me personally like i really wanted to go in and be like this is the guy who directed the thing i want to see what he kind of does with this smaller budget horror film um and the thing is one of my favorite movies uh and this was this definitely didn't difference a point and i also was like oh he the thing was already in his mind when he made this like you can tip like because they have that like i'm like oh i wonder what movie they're watching on tv because they just like show it for like 10 15 seconds and you're like what is this oh it's the original thing huh i i was like oh yeah that's before he made his version okay cool cool yeah like so you can kind of just see like when he got that little bit of a bigger budget, he was able to kind of like, all right, now I'm going to do this thing like that he obviously had a really big passion for, you know, in remaking the thing, which is, I think the his version is is significantly more interesting uh, than the original version, not the shit on the original or anything, but just all the paranoia and everything that uh, takes place in John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I totally. I mean, like, like that movie is so scary and so terrifying. And I love the makeup effects. I love the graphic effects. I'm, I'm a, I have a huge heart on 
for like practical effects, especially like that. You know, Tom Savini, Greg, Greg Nicotero, all those guys absolutely kill it. And I believe they're on, on, on that movie as well. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, listeners, but yeah, like the, the effects and everything they go into it, it's absolutely terrifying. Like, it's one of those movies that, like, I love, but I'm still scared to go back and rewatch because it's so intense and it's so terrifying. I, I guess, like, Halloween itself, you know, where there's some people who go, oh, I absolutely love Halloween, but they're just like, it's too suspenseful for me. It gets me too scared and it gets me too anxious. And I'm like, I love that. I love hearing about that. Just like, even uh, The Exorcist is another film of mine. It's one of my absolute favorite horror films of all time. And, you know, just like the existential, you know, kind of questions about it and just how terrifying it is. How even The Exorcist itself is a template for like a couple of years ago. We had all of these films, you know, all these possession films starting from like 2008 to like, you know, a couple of years ago. It's one of those movies where like I, I would rewatch it, but I'm like, you know, I, I still kind of have this fear of like, uh, I'll watch it later. I'm kind of, kind of nervous, but you know. <laughs> But just like the thing, just like Halloween, like they're just so iconic and they kind of all three of those films kind of push the boundaries and, and really still hold up to this day. And I think what's even more impressive is that Carpenter showed that he can both work with a pretty substantial budget with the thing, but also a razor thin budget with um, with Halloween. And a lot of times you will see, you know, directors are able to do kind of one or the other um, like, for example, uh, I forget the guy who, he directed Chronicle on a very thin budget, and they're like, alright, let's give this guy a bunch of money, and then he made the fan stick movie, which is, yeah. yeah, so it's like, you know, a lot of times they'll see somebody who make, makes these indie movies and give them a bunch of money, and they'll be terrible, or sometimes it'll be the other way around, where, you know, like, I, I watch a movie that has had this big budget, and then, you know, somebody will get a smaller, like, they'll, their next movie, they won't get as much money, and it's just like, oh, that's nowhere near as good, they didn't know how to, like, pull things back and the fact that he could make two classics with these vastly different budgets shows that he is able to really work with whatever he has to the greatest extent oh yeah and and the funniest part about that is that the thing remake it actually didn't make good money it actually kind of bombed at the in the theaters because people were just like oh it's it's just too much it's too disgusting it's it's too graphic and you know there's the people that went and went to go see it and went holy shit like this blew my fucking mind but, yeah, it's just funny how sometimes that goes where, like, some movies end up be- becoming cult classics because I-, I think his version of the thing totally became, like, a cult classic. It it didn't really, like, pan out until, like, more slasher flicks came out and more kind of practical effects films really pushed the boundary, like, you know, like uh, like The Fly. You know, Cronenberg was a, was a big thing, too, about, like, body horror and just really pushing the envelope of, like, being as graphic and disgusting as they could. And uh, I think there's another film that escapes me, but it's about, like, rich people who are, like, I don't know, they, they become like, this huge blob fucking thing, and it's fucking gross and nasty. <laughs> I, I can't remember it at the moment, but it's, oh, it's just, I love it, and I'm disgusted at it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have Scanners as well by Cronenberg. Again, just all uses that awesome, just disgusting, practical effects kind of, like, horror but but anyways but back to, to Halloween uh one of the big things I want to ask is like I mean it's pretty obvious that you know I, I even I have some answer for this as well but like why do you think it's a movie that would make someone be shocked that someone has never seen it 
because I, I mean, I was definitely shocked hearing from you guys. You guys yeah, yeah, because it is such a cult classic, and like it, it's like a movie that that like we said at the beginning of this that everybody knows. Everybody knows Mike Myers. Everybody knows Laura Lori. Um, you know, they know this like that he tried to kill her and then all this stuff. You know, um that to, to then to hear somebody say oh i know yeah i know mike myers oh but i've never seen Her halloween and then it's like what how, how you know kind of thing so um yeah i mean because it is such a classic it is such a um iconic movie you know so so to not have seen it is like very much like uh like like even even the casual people have seen it you know the not just horror films because i you know horror horror as a genre is very much like it, go, it, it you could go down a deep hole of it you know i'm sure alan like you, like there's so much horror that yeah that i, I no have to hold every yeah. like every every time i was like speaking right now, i was like wait 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 go back to halloween go back to halloween <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, there's so much horror that, that like to speak of because like um and what this movie kind of shows is that horror is such a pure like for some reason like in the uh, you know in the autonomy of of filmmaking horror is such a pure story that that there's a lot of people make it because of that, you know. Um I know that there's that kind of like trope of like if you want to for when you're first starting off like writing or or directing or you know making a movie make a horror film and like I, we've definitely been seeing that um in recent years with all these um directors and writers that started off in horror and are now going into like other movies you know specifically like superhero movies with with um James Wan and and then um um and the, Andy, Andy, um, I can never pronounce his, his Andy Machete. Machete, yeah. Um, you know them starting off as these horror movies, horror horror connoisseurs, and it created such great horror movies. And then now they're diversifying into into other genres. Um, and yeah, it's because of that. It's like horror is just a pure version of film. Well, yeah. Yeah, and I think also it's just such a piece of cinema history. Like this movie is like the Godfather. What the Godfather is for crime movies, this is for horror movies. It's like, yeah, like if you are somebody who has seen, like, who cares about film history, like I very much am. Um, you would, yeah. It's like, well, like, why would I have seen the Fear Street movies before I saw Halloween? Which I did. It it doesn't make any sense because those movies are basically just playing off of this film. And so it's it's like seeing Mank before you see Citizen Kane, which is something else that I, I have done. I still, uh, you know, that's a, probably a future episode for me is Citizen Kane. Um, but yeah, it, it, is be, it is because it is just such a ingrained piece of culture and cinema history that I think, you know, when I have seen these other slashers, but not the kind of alpha slasher, it's like, well, why did you get to these ones before you got to Halloween? How did, how did you jump... How did you like hop over Halloween and get to these ones first? You know what though? I don't I don't blame anybody for that. I, I absolutely don't blame anyone. I, I don't tell people like, how did you do this? Or why why don't you jump that? Because 
I'll be completely honest. The beauty about these films is that they inspire other filmmakers to go out of their way to kind of like change the genre, to kind of like push the envelope and, and kind of do something new with it. Because one of the biggest things is that when, when I was growing up, you know, I knew the story of Halloween. I already knew about it. I was like Michael Myers. I had probably seen like Halloween 4 through 6, you know, a couple times. And I saw H2O and all that. But I remember the, the big horror film that really inspired me to want to be a filmmaker and, and you know, want to do these things like, you know, talk about films and podcasting and everything was Scream. And I love Scream. And, and, and the whole, you know, we have a whole episode about that. Go over there and check that out. And what I loved about it is, like, I would watch the special features. I had the trilogy DVD DVD set before Halloween 4. And I know they're making a Halloween, or not Halloween 4, Scream 4. And then I know right now they're making a Scream 5. And I had the, the DVD set for the Scream trilogy. And I remember uh, Kevin Williamson, the writer, and then, of course, you know, famed director, you know, rest in peace, Wes Craven. They were looking, they were talking about their inspirations for the first scream and they're like well we wanted to do halloween but we wanted to turn it on its head and they even make references to halloween like in the very beginning of the film after drew barrymore's uh killer is killed or drew barrymore's character is killed um the the father says go to down in the mckenzie's which is another line that's said in halloween itself and even kevin williamson himself says so like yeah i stole it from halloween because he's like it just stuck with me and i loved it and we wanted to make something that was like Halloween, but we wanted to make it like a meta version of it. We wanted to make something that, you know, like, I think they even mentioned Halloween and Scream. And they mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street, and they mentioned, you know, Friday the 13th, and all that stuff. Yeah, they mentioned, and, and like, one Laurie, thing that I absolutely specifically. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, Laurie Strode, and, like, I'm pretty sure, you know, Sidney Prescott's character is, like, another kind of, like, version of Laurie Strode, because... You know, I mean, I mean that, that's all final girls. All final girls are pretty much Laurie Strode's character in a certain way. You know, she's a virgin. She's the sweet one. She's the school, the, the, the nerdy kind of chick and everything. And, and then, and you know, the, the, the final girl is always the one who's like, I didn't have sex. I didn't do drugs and everything. And even in Scream themselves, you know, they make fun of it. And that one scene with um, Jimmy Kennedy's character where he's explaining the rules of horror films. And they're watching Halloween itself, too. They're watching Halloween, and, and he's like, no, Laurie, don't go... Th- no, Laurie, like, he, he's doing that whole scene where he's like, don't go that way, and then boom, you know, you see the little it kind of jump scare. And and it's and I love that kind of whole meta thing where where just Halloween is just so, like, like you can see it's, like, roots just venturing out into everything. So, you no, know, totally, like, like, the whole thing is... Um, what I love about this film is that it just branches out into everything... And everybody just goes like like everybody takes inspirations from it, but but yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> completely like no 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 like that that, that yeah I, I totally agree with all that. But no, I mean I, um, the whole point was yeah like I I I know I it can be shocking to see some people be like oh yeah I've never seen it, but it's because we live in an age now where like this movie's like what like forty years old maybe about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's about forty years old because forty years old. Yeah, because the tw- tw- twenty eighteen Halloween was on the fortieth anniversary because they re- reboot it uh, every twenty years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, what's what? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, I can totally see why it's it's shocking 
that people haven't seen. I mean, there's an older film now. At this point, it's classical film. It's it's kind of how like you know we grew up in the '90s and and, and you know that somebody goes, oh, The Exorcist. Yeah, it's a classic horror film now. And you're like, holy shit, that was like 30 years ago. But with this one, yeah, absolutely, it's a it's a classic, you know, horror film, and 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 I can see why sometimes it can be shocking and sometimes it's not. But what I love is that even now to this day, you know, we're getting sequels. We got this whole new storyline with. Halloween ends or Halloween kills and Halloween ends and it, and it's kind of becoming its own thing which I really you know definitely in the gritty I'd love to I'd love this the slasher genre to come back because it's one of my absolute favorites but I can see why I mean it's an old film I, you know yeah it's shocking that nobody saw it but it's an old film but I, I really hope people go out of their way to go watch it because it, it's one of those things that's so iconic and it's so influential that people just go and see it and they're just like, holy shit, yeah, the music, the acting, the special effects, the innovation, everything they they were trying to do to just kind of make it this absolute banger back in the day. But, I mean, how, how do you guys feel like, like, do you guys feel like this movie is going to keep influ- influencing new horror and just in general new films, like, just because of its, of, of its low budget, you know, because now we're having all these new superhero films coming out. But there's some people like you know like James Gunn, and uh, that one film I, I can't remember was like Birthright, not Birthright. Um, Brightburn. It kind of had like a Superman story, Brightburn. but it was kind of like a Brightburn. There you're thinking mm-hmm. Bright mm-hmm. Brightburn, which was kind of more of a small kind of budget, not as big budget kind of superhero horror film. Yeah. And then now oh. we have the boys, and then we have you know yeah, Jupiter, all that stuff. Like, what do what do you guys think? You know. Oh no! Like speaking of bright, I mean, I think, I think that there's no way that slashers don't keep getting influenced by it. No, yeah, definitely. I think so. It, sorry, go ahead, Ariel. Yeah, um, definitely. It's gonna, it's gonna inspire, continue to inspire. Just the fact that even if other films inspire, you know, besides Halloween, inspire the future of of horror. Those films are probably had were inspired by Halloween so it's just like this legacy within a legacy that it has ingrained in in film history so so yeah I think definitely it's going to continue to inspire yeah for sure and with Brightburn like I that's another like I don't know about underrated but definitely under the radar movie to have come out recently because that movie yeah like just i would recommend it off top a little bit off topic but i would definitely recommend that one i love that movie it's i'm really bummed i didn't get to see that with you guys i can't remember why but i had to leave and you guys got to see it yeah i saw it at home i I didn't see it i I, I, I had a man went for it uh, maybe it was you and your brother or something ariel but i remember it was like i was going Um, to go to the movies and i couldn't go with you guys okay yeah it was me and the bro um yeah definitely recommend that especially if, if you it's not James. James Gunn pr- produced it. I think it was his brother. It wasn't Sean. It was another brother that that wrote it and and directed it, or or he helped wrote it, write it or whatever. But yeah, definitely, like the guns are pretty talented on their own, and oh, yeah. that that Absolutely. that that movie kind of proved that for me. I mean, yeah. I mean, eight seasons of Gilmore Girls proved that to me that Sean Gunn was a talented man, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Wait, get but, out of town. He like wrote that show or like he No, he was he was one of the yeah, main characters on Gilmore Girls, Sean Gunn. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Like, I will steal, I, to this day, I'm just like, that's Kirk. Like, every time I see him and, like, you know, show up in, like, uh, Guardians or something, I'm like, oh, yeah, Kirk, what's 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 going on with you? Like, he's such a weird, iconic character on that show. But um, I think, Ariel, what you were saying is really true, where you're like, e- even if these fi- the films, like, that come out tomorrow are not directly inspired by Halloween, they will be they will be inspired by films that were inspired. So its legacy will be there forever. Like, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, these films are not its children they will be its grandchildren or its great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren like you will see you know these films that you can you know you can trace through you know this you can trace you know okay let's say this film was inspired by scream well scream was inspired by halloween so like you can always trace it back to this i think and like pretty much just as long as it's like a like a slasher movie or even has slasher elements because i do like a lot of movies that like um, you know, for example, a movie we talked about on Underrated, um, uh, Sunshine, is not a horror film, but it does have, particularly in the third act, slasher film elements. And I think that, you know, you wouldn't draw a straight line between Sunshine and Halloween, but you could definitely see there are some connections there. Even if they are kind of like, you guys squint, you're like, yeah, maybe this, this you, you can be like, yeah, there's these connections. And I think that that will keep going on going forward. Michael Myers in space. <laughs> For Jason X. No. Oh, okay. I love Jason X. It's so fucking bad. It's, like, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible, but it's an absolute thrill ride. Like, it's so much fun. It, that, that's the type of horror movie that you just, like... I think I saw when I was, like, 11, and I just remember everybody I was watching, I was watching with my friends, and they were just, like... Like, because I was kind of nervous. I was like, oh, it's going to be scary. I was a pussy when I was a kid. I'm, I'm going to tell everybody right now. Uh, horror movies kind of got me out of that, like, pussiness. But, yeah, I was so scared. I was like, oh, my God, it's like Jason. I'm so scared. And they're like, bro, this movie looks fucking dumb. And then I saw it, and I was like, this was an absolute blast. It's fucking dumb, but it's fun. Just like, you know, I'll, I was, I'll, I'll wait till the end to make a couple of uh, recommendations. But, I mean, any anything else you guys want to say? No, I think I think that covers it for me. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I yeah. will make some recommendations for everybody and just Yeah, before uh, real quick just out. to kind of get the the Halloween timeline. Yeah, before mm-hmm. we close out, I kind of want to tell everybody about the the timelines. So pretty much you have uh a smorgasbord of Halloween timelines. You got the original, you know, you, you got the you know, Halloween, Halloween 2. Halloween four, five, six. You got the whole Thorn kind of trilogy. That that's what kind of started it all. Then you have the H two H two O one where it's Halloween, Halloween two, H two O, and Resurrections. Resurrections is the J- Jason X of Michael Myers. It's fucking bonkers. It's so stupid and funny, but you have a good time with it. And I will say with that one, I I will give it a little bit of a praise because i think it came out like in the early 2000s and it kind of tried to do something with like the first person perspective horror movie genre thing way before paranormal activity did i know blair witch project came out you know in 1999 but i feel like halloween was like halloween resurrection was trying to do something different and trying to be like hey we're trying to be like a slasher movie but it's also like a found footage movie but it's also a reality tv show movie which i was like you know what it's bad but I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And obviously you have Busta Rhymes in it and Tyra Banks and, and they just absolutely 
cheese it up. <laughs> so enjoy that for what that is. That's the H2O timeline, essentially. And then you have the newest one, the David Gordon Green timeline, where it's Halloween. Skips Halloween 2 and goes straight to Halloween, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. And then you have the Rob Zombie verse, which is pretty much self-explanatory. It's his Halloween and Halloween 2, which... If you're like, I want some, like, Hills Have Eyes redneck shit in my movies, then go ahead and watch that. That's your thing. Then be up for it. And then you have the beauty and the masterpiece that is Halloween 3, which is its absolute own thing. Which I recommend every Halloween fan to go watch it. Just horror fans in general. It's an absolute blast. I love that movie. I feel like it's super underrated, and I know a lot of other horror people... Uh, horror fans feel the same way. Um, so yeah, definitely check that one out. So that's pretty much kind of like the universes if you kind of want to... Or timelines if you want to go check them out. And you want to watch them in a certain order. So you got that. <laughs> and also, to a little delve into a little bit more music stuff. Sorry, I, I just... I love horror movies so much. Like, I really got to jump into it. If you love this theme, if you if you love John Carpenter's like music, uh, go on Spotify right now. If you're like, dude, I really need to... Have that music kind of blasting right now. Go on, go on Spotify. Go look up John Carpenter. He has three albums that he did in the past, like five, six years, of just pure synthesizer, hard rock, fucking horror movie themes. He has three albums. They're all called Lost Themes. It's Lost Themes one, two, and three. And then he has his whole, you know, kind of like uh, discography of his own like themes he did for his movies, like you know, Halloween and. And uh, Solomon Precinct 13 and all that stuff. I think it's called Anthologies. But go check that out. It's super awesome. This whole week I was listening to the Lost Themes albums uh, before we were, you know, setting up for this. But definitely go check that out. If you if you want to get more kind of music, you just want to be in that mood of like, you know, Halloween's coming right up. You want to get that like synthesizer kind of type of feeling. Definitely go check that out. So I was actually listening to John Carpenter on the way driving driving back from work to the podcast, and so I listened to the Halloween theme first, and then I noticed that there's actually one of his themes from the Lost um, Themes one that you're talking about. There's a remix by Churches, and I fucking love Churches. So I was like, oh yeah, I am all about, it. and it's pretty good. It's called uh, the tur- Churches. It's called Turning the Bones. It's the Turning the Bones Churches remix, and it's on Spotify. Um, I think just- from, yeah, I think that's from a Lost Lost. Themes three because I was listening yeah. to it. Oh, dude! I, yes, I'm so glad you heard it. It's so fucking good, man. It's so great. Like, please, anybody out there listening, go check that out. Like, John, I we were I was actually gonna go see John Carpenter live a couple years or actually not a couple years ago. Last year, when me and my buddies were talking about it. Uh, we, we we were calling him Old Man Kavinsky because he was super. We love <laughs> Kavinsky. And and we were like, oh, he, you know, one of my buddies was like, oh, it's old man Kavinsky, and I was like, fuck you, but I like that <laughs> because I love Kavinsky as well. And you're out of line, but you're right. right. Yeah, exactly. You're like you're out of line, but you're right. But unfortunately, you know, a little piece of shit called COVID appeared, so that never happened. But um, but yeah, no, definitely go check that out, and then obviously go check out his filmography as well. You know, he's an, he's a, he's great. You know, if I can recommend some slasher flicks that you're just like, you know, you want to get into that Halloween kind of feeling, you know, Scream, the whole Scream filmography is great. Nightmare on Elm Street, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, all that stuff is super fun. But 
and obviously Halloween 2018, which I feel like is out of the whole kind of Halloween universe is absolutely one of my favorite sequels of those Halloween films of all time. Like I absolutely love them. I think of that movie, I'm sorry, that movie itself is so fucking good. I love it. The, the music, John Carpenter did that music as well with his son. And, and there's some great, like, guitar riffs in it, too. Like, he adds on. It's so awesome. I remember after we walked out of the theaters, I had to look it up on Spotify, and I listened to that the whole week. And finally, my one last recommendation. I'm so sorry I'm keeping this going, guys. I just I just love the horror genre so much. <laughs> I, have, I have to give so much information to our listeners. Um, if you got Shudder, uh, go on uh, Shudder. Uh, check out my boy, um, Joe Bob Briggs. He has his uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, and he has a Halloween special where it's the, he, he does Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5. Out of the old movies, out of the old sequels, I, you know, not counting Halloween 3, I know it's its own individual thing, but Halloween 4, I think, is one of my favorite Halloween sequels prior to the David Gordon Green one, the 2018 one that we all saw. I think it's a absolutely awesome slasher flick. It's super scary. It's super creepy. It really follows it up pretty well. I mean, if you if you need to if you need to have any three movies to watch, just watch the first one, watch the second one, and then watch Halloween Four. You can skip the second one, but definitely go check that out. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs, he's like my hero. I feel like he knows way more horror trivia than I do. Like that dude just knows. So much trivia and so much horror trivia. Like, I want to grow up to be like him, even though I'm fucking 31 years old already. <laughs> I still want to be like, I want to be like him. I want to know all that horror stuff. So please go on Shudder. Check that out. It's not a, it's not an advertisement for Shudder, but check out Joe Bob Briggs. He does Halloween 4, or Halloween, Halloween 4, or Halloween 5. But anyways, that's me. Uh, take it away, Ariel. Sorry. <laughs> oh, thank you for all that information. Um, But yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alan. For, <laughs> for You know, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Alan, for introducing us to this classic. Uh, well, not introducing per se, but telling you know, letting us know that that we've never seen it, or um, and so giving yeah. me the kick in the ass to finally watch I'll, I'll it. Be honest, I'll be honest to the listeners. I I like blew blew my fucking mind that they hadn't seen Halloween. I was like, what? Like I was like yelling, and I was like, oh my god, you know, if I was the boss, I'd hire you guys. No. <laughs> But yeah, sorry, go, go no, ahead, no, no, it's okay. Um, so yeah, um, with that, um, thanks everybody for listening. We do have a few other podcasts that we do here in at the Underrated uh, Undercast Company. Um, we have our flagship podcast of Underrated, which we um, talk about films that we feel are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. Um, we have... Every once in a while, when when Marvel stuff pops up, and we're we're getting pretty consistent, so um, Marvel content. So that podcast is is pretty consistent as well. Um, we have our podcast Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones. Uh, we just had a Shang Chi um, podcast uh, episode, and then um, once What If wraps up, we're gonna have a What If. Um, podcast episode and then the eternals and then spider-man of uh, 
No Way Home, and then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and then uh, so on and so forth. Hawkeye in there, too. I I can't forget my boy, Hawkeye. Um, Very excited for that. Um, Awesome trailer for that one that came out, and I'm super excited for it. Um, But yeah, with that, thank you to Alan and Derek, my guests here for this episode. And Thank you that, for having us. Uh-huh. And with that, um, everybody out there, thanks for being amazing. And we've seen it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's very late now, <laughs> out here. But yeah, now I could say and Al- and Derek could say that we have seen this movie. We've seen it. <laughs> Take it easy, y'all, and happy Halloween. Yeah, I'll see you guys another life.